Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Afton, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. A man whose intelligence we benefit from enormously at the Center for Security Policy, where he is a senior fellow, is Robert Spencers. He is, among other things, the director of a terrific organization associated with the David Horowitz Freedom Center. It's called jihadwatch.org. He has been prolific, both on its pages and, of course, in various books, some 23 of them to his credit at last count, but that changes almost by the minute, it seems. We're delighted always to have him with us, especially in this new year. Robert, I say it with some fear that I will be proven wrong, but nonetheless, I wish it to you earnestly. Happy New Year, my friend. It's good to have you back. Always good to talk to you, Frank. Thank you. Happy New Year. I want to start with Iran. Um, This is roughly the second anniversary of the liquidation by Donald Trump of General Soleimani, one of the world's most uh, egregious terrorist criminals and masterminds, Um, a creature of, in fact, a very important pillar of the Uh, regime of Ayatollah Khamenei, the supreme leader of Iran. Um, Tell us what's going on as this event is noted here and elsewhere around the world, uh, not least by the Iranian government itself. The Iranian leadership is doing all it can to stir up uh, indignation, anger, outrage at the killing of Soleimani. He is being presented as essentially a saint with no mention whatsoever of the fact that He was taken out by the Trump administration in the first place because he was plotting to take hostages in the U.S. embassy in Baghdad and perhaps to also lead strikes against American installations in Iraq. Consequently, his killing was all part of the ongoing low-level conflict with Iran. But the Iranians, as I say, they're presenting this as a gratuitous murder on the part of Trump and uh, former Secretary of State Pompeo. And consequently, they are calling now for Trump to be prosecuted in uh, the uh, international courts and uh, convicted and executed. And this has been a uh, this was a statement by Raisi, the new president of Iran. The supreme leader has also said that on Twitter, with no consequences from Twitter, that Trump would uh, receive retribution in this world which is a clear threat and a call for violence against him. Um, You mentioned that it is without consequence from Twitter. Um, This is an organization, of course, that has been removing from its platform a number of other people, including, I guess, most recently, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, for much less, shall we say, incendiary comments. And uh, it does seem bizarre that the Iranians get a pass, uh, no matter how provocative they may be on the pages of Twitter. Yes, this is true. It seems clear that Twitter just doesn't care about threats made against Trump, because obviously Twitter hates Trump, and they banned him before. And it's kind of, it's bitterly ironic that you have Khamenei, who has uh, incited violence in numerous ways, called for violence against Israel, and uh, now against Americans. And nothing happens. But Trump, who didn't uh, incite any violence at all, is banned. Uh, This reflects a certain blind spot uh, with respect to the government of Iran that unfortunately is not unique to 
um, a social media platform like Twitter, the government of the United States seems to be indulging in it rather uh, vociferously as well as it pursues a new deal with the Iranians um, concerning their nuclear weapons program. Uh, Robert, is there anything to report on the extent to which uh, the administration of Joe Biden is essentially ignoring the harsh realities of the Iranian regime and, for that matter, its determination to continue to pursue its nuclear ambitions no matter what, um, as it uh, seeks some new piece of paper to uh, suggest that it's got this whole problem under control? Well, epitomizing that is the fact that the Biden administration has made it clear on more than one occasion that it will remove all the sanctions that are currently in place against Iran, which have been a key restraint to its nuclear program. But uh, it looks as if Biden is, or Biden's handlers rather, are uh, determined to make gestures of goodwill toward the Iranians, which they assume wrongly will be returned in kind by the mullahs. While there is no actual evidence of this, and it's much more likely given the outlook and the culture and the religious views of the mullahs, that they will view gestures of goodwill as indications of weakness and not reciprocate, but actually just step up their belligerent. This is uh, unfortunately something that many of these same individuals um, should have learned from hard experience negotiating the so-called joint comprehensive plan of action with the Iranians uh, during the Obama years, and uh, yet there does not seem to be evidence of that at all. Um, Robert, let me ask you about another of the uh, lines of attack, if I can use that expression, of the Iranians, and for that matter, um, the jihadists more generally, um, the stealth jihadists, as you've called them, of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, uh, other uh, Sunni jihadists uh, or Sharia supremacists, if you will, as well as, you know, the Shiites under uh, principally the leadership of the Iranians. And that is this whole idea that the world is awash with Islamophobia. Uh, you and I have been accused of engaging in it uh, wrongly, I will hasten to say. Um, but so are an awful lot of other people. In fact, it seems as though it's kind of a cottage industry for these folks. Um, what is it about, and, and uh, talk a little bit about this organization, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which is uh, really a prime mover behind this whole idea that um, there must be um, essentially Sharia blasphemy restrictions imposed on people who wish to point out some of the challenges and dangers associated with uh, Sharia supremacism. Well, you know, remember, Frank, that back in the 90s, Abdurrahman Muhammad, who was a uh, member of the International Institute of Islamic Thought, a Muslim Brotherhood-linked group, said that he was present at the meetings where the term Islamophobia was chosen in order to inhibit criticism of Islam and particularly criticism of jihad violence and Sharia oppression of women and others. And that uh, has been how it has been used all uh, ever since. And so now whenever there is a program that is effective in uh, stopping terrorist plots or wherever there is really any indication that anyone would connect Islam with terrorism, despite the fact that the primary people who connect the two are the jihad terrorists themselves, then Council on American-Islamic Relations and its allies cry Islamophobia and try to shut it down. 
the uh, there was recently, for example, also this is an effort, as you noted, to uh, to broaden the scope of accommodation to Sharia in the United States. So recently, there was a Missouri gun range called Frontier Justice that refused to let a Muslim woman who was wearing a hijab fire on the range. And they said they have a rule against headgear because they, it can catch fire if something lands on it. And so they wouldn't let her uh, shoot for safety reasons. But CARE is now suing, claiming that it's really anti-Muslim discrimination, despite the fact that the headgear policy is actually in place for everyone who uses this range. And the result would be that the uh, that people, businesses will be afraid to speak about to make any kind of rules that would in uh, that would deal with Muslim and there would be essentially a free hand given to them to do whatever they wanted because everybody would be afraid of being tarred as Islamophobic and racist and bigoted. Well, it it seems to be working in a lot of places, um, notably in Europe. And I wanted to just ask you about a piece that you feature at jihadwatch.org, Robert Spencer, um, involving the government of Ireland, as I understand it, issuing a report which essentially equates Islamophobia with the far right and calls for um, steps to be taken to, um, well, penalize or otherwise um, restrict the activities of people who may be really nothing more than simply opposed to the leftist elites um, in the sense of, you know, a political opposition that's perfectly legitimate. Um, how does this um, overlay of Islamophobia and uh, the pandering to Sharia supremacists uh, work into the larger agenda of trying to other or uh, silence, cancel, restrict um, people who disagree with this agenda. Well, you take this case of Ireland. It's a European Union report, actually, and uh, there there is a section country by country for each of the members of the union. And so the Irish section, as you noted, says that the far right is a tremendous threat and it uh, gives an example of parties, political parties in Ireland that are against mass migration into Ireland. Now, there are a number of reasons to oppose mass migration into any country. It's a big uh, strain on the resources of the host country uh, in terms of welfare benefits and housing accommodations and so on. And it might be that there are some countries that are simply not in a position to take large numbers of migrants. And that's to say nothing of the societal and cultural disruptions that can come from bringing in large numbers of people who have a vastly different outlook on what is uh, good and what is right and what is acceptable behavior. So uh, if you're going to stigmatize all that as being far right uh, and thus to be silenced, then you are indeed cutting off legitimate areas of the political discourse, and then you have to wonder if you're even a free society at all. This is especially so, Robert, because as you have been documenting on the pages of Jihad Watch, um, a phenomenon that is mostly ignored by the so-called mainstream press and indeed the authorities in many countries, um, Sweden in particular comes to mind, and that is the practice of uh, rape as an instrument of political warfare or, or domination by uh, predominantly 
uh, not exclusively, of course, but predominantly Muslim immigrants to these countries um, who have taken, it seems, in at least uh, several incidents that you've described, um, uh, to quoting the Quran in the practice of engaging in the rape, uh, whether it's as individuals or as uh, as groups. Um, talk a little bit about this phenomenon, uh, Robert, how widespread it is. And uh, it does seem as though this is the sort of thing that people ought to be voicing criticism of and opposition to. Uh, certainly, uh, it should be done by the government, but uh, those who are out of government, but uh, nonetheless concerned about it, uh, would seem to me to have every right to be raising an alarm. Nope. Oh, yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. There have been mass incidents of rape and sexual assault in Germany, in Sweden. Of course, there were gangs of, and there were and still are, I should say, gangs of uh, Muslim immigrants in Britain who preyed on thousands of British girls. So-called uh, and, grooming and, gangs, uh, a exactly. euphemism I've never quite understood. Yeah, they're supposedly being groomed for prostitution or something like that. But really what it's about is that the Quran does teach that infidel women can be lawfully taken as essentially sex slaves. This is why we have in France, a Muslim quoted the Quran while raping his victim, uh, a survivor of a rape gang in the, in the UK also said the same thing that her rapists would quote the Quran to her and believe that their actions were justified by Islam. In France, same thing, uh, some Muslims videotaped a rape while praising Allah and invoking the Quran. On and on and on, there's so many examples of this, uh, and it indicates that there are some Muslims who do believe that this is something that is justified within Islam. And unfortunately, the whole Islamophobia narrative in all over Europe, really, and in the United States as well, makes it so that this kind of thing cannot even be discussed. Because even to broach the fact that so many of these rapists have invoked the Quran as justification for their action and have actually said that Islam justifies this kind of behavior, that, that kind of discourse is Islamophobic. The rapists can say it, but nobody who is opposing the mass rapes and analyzing the cause of them can discuss these. Yeah. Um, speaking of making a demonstration of how unacceptable is any such criticism of Islam, uh, talk about the most recent travails of um, a man who has had the courage to speak out against uh, both ill-advised illegal immigration uh, and about specifically the agenda of those who seek to impose Sharia on countries in the West, notably his own, uh, Great Britain. I'm speaking, of course, of Tommy Robinson. Well, you know, Tommy Robinson for years was calling attention to the fact that there were these gangs of rapists who were overwhelmingly Muslims, mostly of Pakistani origin, and that they were acting in accord with Islamic teachings, as we discussed, and that British authorities were largely turning a blind eye to what they were doing because they were afraid of being tarred as racist. So the, Tommy uh, has now produced a documentary called The Rape of Britain, which is about all this. And uh, he just debuted the trailer of this documentary yesterday, and immediately his car was firebombed. And I believe that's entirely in line with the general uh, response in Britain to anyone who speaks openly and honestly about the nature of this, of this uh, phenomenon and the causes of it.
and uh, it seems as if there are very powerful people, both uh, among leftists and among Muslims, who don't want uh, Tommy's documentary to get out. They don't want the truth to be told about these things, and they're willing to do violence to prevent it. This is just, as I say, the latest of uh, a series of attacks of one kind or another, physical in some cases, and others uh, legal, uh, against Tommy Robinson. And um, one need not agree with absolutely everything he has said or done to find reprehensible uh, the unfair treatment that he has been handed out uh, repeatedly, it would seem, and most especially those that are um, potentially life-threatening. Uh, this is a man who has, I believe, been at the forefront of warning about very real problems, and uh, I personally think deserves um, protection, not um, the kind of abuse that has been handed out to him. Um, Robert Spencer, we're hard out of time. Uh, needless to say, there's a lot more to talk about on all of these fronts. I really salute you for what you do at jihadwatch.org and appreciate so much our visits with you um, basically every week if we can engineer it, and we hope that will be the case in 2022. In the meantime, stay well, my friend, and thank you. Uh, keep up the great work. I know you will, and uh, we'll talk with you very soon. Next up, we're going to turn to the January 6th events, uh, a reprise appearance by really remarkable authority on the subject, uh, Darren Beatty, about his latest findings. And as the anniversary of that incident looms, what we actually know about it and what we should do now about it. That and more straight ahead.